Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast, episode 10. Okay, I don't care who you are or where you're from. 10 anything is always a celebration. 10th birthdays, 10th anniversaries, $10 bills, like 10 years even gets a special name, a decade. So this is my decade anniversary. so that's what I'm calling it. It's a real word. Look it up. Something like that. Anyway, you should celebrate. After the stay-at-home orders are all lifted, go to your favorite establishment and have a beverage of your choosing on me. Don't worry about the cost. Just tell the bartender that you're my cousin from Mississippi. I'm still truly humbled to be able to bring this podcast to you and to be part of your lives. I know I I really do say it every week, but that's only because I mean it every week. Your feedback, your encouragement and connection make it all worthwhile. Doing this and connecting with you is truly amazing and inspirational for me. And I hope you feel the same. So yay me, yay you, yay us. As we continue to grow and broaden our audience, please, please, please give us a five-star rating, follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, like us, or give us a thumbs up. What I'm ultimately trying to say, and hopefully not just trying, hopefully I'm saying it, you should connect with us. You should engage with us. This podcast is available right now on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts. Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Simply search for us wherever you listen to great podcasts. We strive, we really, really strive to be among that list of great podcasts that you listen to, rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? Coincidentally, my wife asked me the same thing the other day. So I'll tell you what I told her. If you loved me, you wouldn't ask me those kinds of questions. So there. The truth is simply this. I want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose is to connect with others and to bring people together. I want to highlight and exemplify the fact that we've got more in common than we do in difference. Yes, it's absolutely true. The differences are much easier to identify. They're visible. You don't even have to do any work. But discovering and appreciating those commonalities, that's special. That's much more fun. That's where the magic is. So, yeah, that's partly why I'm doing this. The other part, or the rest of the story... As to why I'm doing this is I really want to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic, charismatic, and inspirational people among us. I want to share their stories about thriving in the transitions. The theory being that hearing about other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling with motivation or encouragement, they'll get that thing, that impetus to move forward and to thrive in their own respective transitions. Now, today, I want to talk about, and I have the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite concepts, wandering. What is wandering, you may ask? Well, the dictionary defies wandering as an adjective, 
Moving from place to place without a fixed plan. Roaming, rambling, as in wandering tourists. Having no permanent residence. Nomadic. A wandering herd of buffalo. Meandering, winding, a winding river, a wandering path. That kind of thing. But not just that. It's not just roaming around aimlessly or getting lost. That's really not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an intentional act or activity designed to inspire, recharge, discover, and connect with yourself and your surroundings. I mean more of a definition, something like a verb, the act of unplanned, aimless walking, exploring, ambling with a complete openness to the unknown. And it is that openness to the unknown that has everything to do with thriving in the transition. Without that openness, life gets really difficult and complicated very, very quickly. Let me illustrate. I actually brought up this topic in episode six with Tammy Parrish. I asked her this question about having multiple ways to get to your destination. I think that's very, very important. If you don't have multiple ways to get there, yeah, there's this practical thing, but there's also this element of wandering. Taking lesser traveled routes to get to any destination can yield unknown benefits or experiences. Taking that lesser known route keeps things interesting. It keeps me engaged and my assertion is that it's going to keep you engaged as well. Life then becomes an adventure. Like no matter what you do, there's an adventure. Even if you're just going to work, the gym, or the grocery store, wandering creates the sense of wonder, the sense of newness. You can always discover something if you make wandering a part of your life. That's why I want to bring this to you today. In fact, I've got to give a shout out to my wife. I have her to thank for my passion around wandering. So thanks, Kelly. Several years ago, she bought a book. She was out shopping. Her intent was to get books for our kids, right? It was the end of the school year. She wanted to get them gifts for the summer and also something that wasn't a screen to keep them occupied. Well, in addition to getting the boys gifts, she got me one too. She got me a book by Carrie Smith called The Wander society. So like any good husband, I promptly ignored the book. I just about wrote it off. My thinking, how dare she think she knows me well enough to get me a book that she thinks I would like. She doesn't know how complex and evolved I am. And I left the book right where she gave it to me. I was in the living room at the time. So I I got it from her, said thank you and left it on the ottoman. So it stayed on that ottoman in our living room for about a month until she decided to read it. She then randomly one day tells me to come outside to the back deck. I replied with a very swift and unapologetic, it's raining. Why do you want to go out in the rain? I I didn't understand that. She then said, just come outside. I want to try something from that book I bought you. Now that got me curious. In fact, I got kind of excited thinking to myself, I didn't think it was that kind of a book. So once I got my head out of the gutter, I joined her on the deck. In the rain, mind you, just in time to witness one of the prettiest, 
most spectacular double rainbows that has ever been witnessed by anyone ever in the history of all mankind and double rainbows. It was gorgeous. It really, really was. After a few minutes of just taking in the glory that was that double rainbow, I asked her, what made you decide to go outside in the rain in the first place? And she tells me it was because of that book that she bought me. So I figured this book made my wife go outside in the rain. I should give it a read. And I'm so, so very glad that I did read that book. Dare I say that I found the book, again, The Wander Society by Carrie Smith, life-changing. It was familiar yet totally innovative at the same time. It supported many of my own beliefs and challenged my thinking. It reaffirmed my experiences and sparked my creativity. I want to tell you all about Carrie's book. I want to introduce you to the Wander Society and some alleged notable members. And of course, I want to share my own experiences right after this little break. Intro and outro music by Genesis 7. You can listen to more of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or wherever you stream your music. Just search for Genesis 7. That is G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number 7 directly behind it. If you're interested in purchasing music from him, shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at Genesis7Productions.com. So before break, I was telling you about Carrie Smith and her book, The Wander Society, and the impact that it had on my life, literally. So about Carrie Smith, she's a Canadian. Go figure. Go Canucks and, and maple syrup and maple leaves and all things Canadian. She's a Canadian author, but not just that. She's an illustrator and conceptual artist. According to her website, the main focus of her work slash research is on creating what the writer Umberto Eco calls open works, pieces that are completed by the reader or user. And her book, The Wander Society, clearly fits into that space. Most of her books encourage readers to expand their scope of creativity, such as Wreck This Journal. That's another book that she wrote, where she has the readers do things to the book itself rather than having readers simply draw or color within the book's pages or simply reading it. Besides Wreck This Journal, her other works include Mess and a book called This Is Not a Book. So you get a sense of who Carrie is. She's also written for How Magazine. Smith is also a freelance illustrator and has worked for Random House, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Boston Globe, as well as for folks like Ford Motor Company, Galson Mud Puppy Press, Hallmark, just a host of folks. Until about 2011, she gave lectures on various topics for schools and organizations across North America. And since fall of 2010, she teaches part-time at Emily Carr University's Art of Design in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Her work spans a broad range of media, including drawing, sculpture, public art, 
and bookmaking. Notice bookmaking versus like just writing or publishing. You won't be disappointed if you read any of her books, but again, The Wander Society is the one that I want to bring your attention to. So that's a little bit on Carrie, the author of this book. Now about the book itself. It's an unassuming 178-page gray and yellow hardcover book. It's fun, it's concise, and it's an introduction to the Wander Society. Now, I'll get to the actual Wander Society here in a minute. The book more or less serves as documentation of Carrie's experiences discovering and investigating the existence of the secret society. So yes, the Wander Society is a real thing. It's a secret society, and the Wander Society, the book, is Carrie's sort of history of discovering it. She uses her experiences to give you an experience. The pages also reflect her art. They're just not regular photographs. She's got images and collages that make things very exciting and comfortable at the same time. She adds a very personal touch by including handwritten text in the margins. So her notes from discovering and researching the book are in the book in the margins, which is really, really cool. And in fact, one of the, the quotes or descriptions in the book that talk about the book, it's, it goes like, the material in this book has been compiled by the author, Carrie Smith, from the existing literature found relating to the group. So this was a real group that Carrie stumbled across, decided to research more, and put everything that she found, along with her own thoughts and spin on things, in this book. It's definitely not your traditional book, and I think that's what I enjoyed most about it. Smith very effectively used the book as a vehicle to impart her passions around the Wander Society and their principles and thinking and impact on the world to the reader. The book is essentially a how-to on how to become a wanderer and the philosophy and beliefs of the Wander Society. It has references for things like making wandering sticks and a wandering backpack and a wandering society station. So again, this whole how-to guide on how to be a wanderer and to make the most. So that's Carrie Smith. That's the book. Now about the society itself, the Wander Society, this secret society. First and foremost, it, there's a website. Of course there's a website. Check it out www.thewandersociety.com. All one word, www.thewandersociety.com. And in case you, like me, get the word wander and wonder confused, wander is the one with the A, W-A-N-D-E-R. That's the, the walking around um, aimlessly open to new experiences. Wonder is W-O-N-D-R, like wonder bread, or the wonderful double rainbow that I saw. Hopefully that helped and in, in not confused. But anyway, we'll, we'll see. So the Wander Society, with an A, it's a secret society of individuals that simply want to get back to the basics. And those are my words, right? They seek human-to-human -human connection, sustainability, self-reliance, and a connection to something bigger than oneself. The society's solution to all of this Solvitur ambulando, Latin for it is solved by walking, a.k.a. wandering. 
By wandering, you'll find the answers that you seek. Yes, it sounds all mystical and stuff. It's really not. It's super practical and super, super awesome. So not just taking my word for it. How might you know if the Wander Society is something for you or if there's something to be had in it for you? The WIFM that Steve Ryman and I talked about, W-I-I-F-M, the what's in it for me. Well, there's a brief assessment. And I'm going to share that with you right now. Eight questions. And the thing here, if you answer yes to three or more of the questions, the Wander Society might be a thing for you. So here are these questions. Number one, do you find yourself increasingly distracted and able to focus? It's COVID-19, folks. I don't know who's focusing much on anything, but I, I don't want to influence you. Okay, question one. Do you find yourself increasingly distracted and unable to focus? Question two. Do you feel like technology is taking up too much of your attention and time? Three, do you remember a time when you were much more present with all your activities? Four, have you had a sense that there's more to life than what you've been doing, but you're not sure how to access it? Five, do you feel disillusioned by a society that seems entirely focused on monetary gain? Six, do you have a sense that you are experiencing things secondhand, filtered through various forms of media and entertainment? Seven, have you lost a sense of ownership to the place in which you live? And eight, do you find your quiet talents going unused and unnoticed in a world that values bravado, celebrity, publicity, and money? Again, eight-question assessment. If you answer yes to three or more of these questions, the Wander Society might be for you. But here's the thing. You can't become a member of the Wanderer Society or the Wander Society. You can't become a wanderer all willy-nilly. There are wandering precepts, or as Big Worm would say, there's principalities involved, Smokey. My fans of Friday will get that. Anyway, those precepts. There are 10 precepts or key principles for the Wander Society or wanderers. One, wander every day. Two, don't plan your wanderings. Start in any direction. The location is not important. Three, use whatever you have. Use everything you have. You have everything you need. Use your senses. Four, collect and gather. Document experiences and findings. Five, remain open. Breathe deeply. Now, this breathing thing, this has come up a lot in this podcast. So you, you can see bits and pieces why I like this so much. Uh, ask the question, what can I discover? That was all part of five. Six, allow ideas to come in. Write them down. Seven, question everything you have been told. Like I needed to be told to do that. Again, my stuff, sorry. Eight, use your imagination in your wanderings. Nine, use your intuition. Follow hunches. Go towards what you are drawn to. And lastly, number 10, encourage your own wild nature. What makes you feel truly alive? Now, these aren't necessarily hard and fast rules, but general guidelines to help someone create a structure to get the most out of wandering. So again, the book, the society, all pulls this thing together. 
the society's flagship member, uh, and even I'll even call him the mascot, is Walt Whitman. In case you don't know who Walt Whitman is, uh, was born May 31st, 1819, died March 26th, 1892. He was an American poet, essayist, and journalist, a humanist even. He was part of the transition between transcendentalism and realism. He incorporated both views, transcendentalism and realism, in his works. And people, he's not a waffler. He's not one of these middle cats. Either you love Whitman or you just don't like Whitman. He is among the most influential poets in American history, often called the father of free verse, which is why a lot of people don't like him. He just seems to, to write. His works were controversial in their time, particularly his poetry collection and arguably his most noted work, Leaves of Grass. It was described as obscene for its overt sensuality. And again, not sexuality, sensuality. So it was deemed obscene back in the day. Uh, his own life came under scrutiny for his presumed homosexuality. So there's this air of mystery around Walt Whitman. Uh, it was rumored that he existed on a higher plane of consciousness. How deep is that? People would say you'd be in a, a room or a conversation with Whitman and it was unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. His prose was the result of his daily roaming around the streets of New York, a.k.a. wandering. He was born on Long Island. Uh, he was a journalist, a teacher, a government clerk. At age 11, he left formal schooling to go to work. Now, talk about self-sufficiency. As a child and through much of his career, he resided in Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn. Whitman's major work, Leaves of Grass, it was first published in 1855 with his own money. I think that's, to me, that's huge. Not many people do that anymore, but it's Whitman. The work was an attempt at reaching out to the common person. It was an American epic, and that may be some of the controversy. How dare you reach out to the common folk? Whitman did. He continued expanding and revising it until his death in 1892. So it wasn't, it was a completed work, but he wasn't done with it. He found ways to, I'll say, keep it relevant. Uh, during the American Civil War, he went to D.C. He worked with hospitals caring for the wounded. His poetry, his poetry often focused on both loss and healing. There's a dichotomy there. Two of his well-known poems, Oh Captain, My Captain. And let me just say, you see how this ties back together? That Transitions goes to the movie. One of my favorite movies that illustrates Transitions was what? Dead Poet Society. One of the examples that I talked about was what? When Professor Keating, Mr. Keating, had the students stand up on the desk and recite what poem? Oh, Captain, my Captain. So, yes, things are hopefully starting to make sense and you're getting a better image of who I am as a person. But this isn't necessarily about me. Another well-known work that he did and is well-known for, When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed. That just sounds sensitive. I bet he if he was just a Mac, right? When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloom. However, both poems, Oh Captain, My Captain, and When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloom, were written on the death of Abraham Lincoln. Again, Lincoln's death impacted a lot of people, but very much so Walt Whitman. After a stroke near the end of his life, he moved to Camden, New Jersey, where his health further declined. He died at age 72. 
But the more you know about Whitman, the more this Wander Society will make sense, the more you will understand why Walt Whitman is sort of the flagship character or member or mascot of the Wander Society. His image and initials are often used to denote society members and or materials. So if you see random pictures or stickers of Walt Whitman or a WW, you might be on to a Wander Society member or some content from the Wander Society. Other notable alleged members were, and I'm saying alleged intentionally, it's a secret society. There isn't a membership list for a secret society. Uh, other notable members likely included William Wordsworth, Henry David Thoreau, Aristotle, John Muir. And I'm going to pause here. John Muir is the man. If you don't know who John Muir is, look him up, read his books. Not only did he go to University of Wisconsin-Madison, for those of you that know me, it's my alma mater as well. He, I would say, single-handedly is responsible for our national park system. Check it out. Prove me right um, or try and disprove me. Look up John Muir. Just a great, great story. Other folks, Virginia Woolf, Soren Kierkegaard, Herman Hess, Jack Kerouac, Joseph Mitchell, Fernando Pessoa, lots of other people. The list goes on and on. But again, these are alleged members because, well, it's a secret society. We have no way of confirming membership for anyone except through what we know of these people's lives, how they lived, and their works. So, Carrie Smith wrote the book The Wander Society about a actual secret society called The Wander Society. One of the flagship members, Walt Whitman, poet, activist, met people, brought things to the common man. So that's the backdrop for all of this. So what? What does that have to do with me? What does it have to do with the transition? I hope that's clear. I hope that's completely clear to you. But I want to give you some practical applications. I want to give you some examples of how it impacted me, my life. I, I called it life-changing, so what were those examples? That's where we're going now. As things flow, um, how have I used wandering, right? How's it fit into my life? What difference has it made to me? I can honestly say everything. Wandering has made the mundane noteworthy and adventurous. Wandering has allowed me to be more creative and to create better experiences with my family. Me and my family. Wandering has allowed me to be more creative and to create better experiences with my family. Wandering has become one of the structures that I use to help navigate my transitions and life in general. So let me share a few examples here. One, uh, creating more. So I definitely credit wandering with my ability to create more. We all get bogged down in things that we have to do. Those things that we call responsibilities. As we heard from Lori Mulligan in episode nine, it's an issue of should versus need. And I, like a lot of folks, focus on the should. Those things that I've needed to do tend to fall by the wayside. Wandering has allowed me to create anywhere. I no longer need to make a photo shoot a big ordeal by having the right camera, the right lenses, the right filter, the tripod, the monopod, 
extra batteries, extra memory cards, the right flashes, nor do the conditions have to be perfect. I've talked myself out of going on photo shoots. Oh, it's kind of hazy and overcast today. Nope, not a great day to do it. Oh, it's too sunny. Nope, not a great day, not a great day to go do it. By simply wandering and taking pictures with my phone or my point and shoot, I'm able to gather amazing images in places I would have never, ever planned. Opportunity is everywhere. That's what I took away. So that's number one. I'm able to create more because of wandering. I mentioned this thing, quality time with the family. I used to find that quality time with the family meant me sacrificing what I wanted to do for what they wanted to do. That proposition usually meant two things. One, somebody somewhere was not getting what they wanted, either me, the kids, or Kelly, or some combination thereof. Or two, family quality time would be transformed into individual or segmented family time. We would all do different things. It may be in a similar spot, but we do different things. Wandering has helped me see that it's not an all or nothing proposition. It's not a lose-lose. It really is a win-win. We can all go someplace we've never been, enjoy different aspects of that place, for example, we love going up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, otherwise known as the UP. I mean, it's prime wandering territory. But if we go for a hike, we all get exercise. We all are immersed in nature. I get to take pictures. My wife gets exercise. The boys get to run around and we get connected with other folks that may be in that same destination or on the same trail at the same waterfall. Family time has now become much more enjoyable. And it's not just me. The kids notice it, right? I'm not off doing my own thing while they're doing something with Kelly or vice versa. We are together. It Honestly, it's, it's really, really cool. The third thing, the third example that I want to share where wandering has impacted me, finding calm. Again, we heard this with Lori Mulligan in episode nine, but because of wandering, I can find calm anywhere at any time, whether it's at home, on a business trip, in the middle of a bustling downtown, wandering is always available. You don't need any special equipment. You don't need to plan. You don't need a map. You don't need Yelp reviews. I'm literally able to just wander. And it doesn't take huge amounts of time. It's not days or weeks or hours. I'm able to recharge my batteries in a matter of minutes, no matter where I am. So the Wander Society by Carrie Smith, worth the read. Pick it up, download it, stream it, whatever. Now, I realize that a lot of things are open. I, yes, I shared how things have impacted me and a, a quick recap of that, right? I can create more. I've got better quality time with the family and I can find calm anywhere. I realize that some folks need a little more structure or direction when it comes to something like this. There's a wanderer's creed, which nicely outlines what wanderers do and how they behave. Again, not a hard and fast set of rules, but it's this creed, the thing that wanderers tend to believe. 
I'm going to go through that list for you right now. No, you know what? I'm going to make you wait. I'm going to go through the Wanderer's Creed after this break. All right, welcome back. So I left you with this bit of a cliffhanger about the Wanderer's Creed. If you want a little more structure to your wandering or want to know what wanderers actually do, this creed pretty much sums it up. So here we go. First point, let us not be tied down by clocks, schedules, rules, and dictates. Those things that we have to do, right, or should do. Let us remember who we are before we learned these things. We are the masters of our own existence. That was all just point one. Second point, let us conjure the spirit of Whitman who roamed the streets of Manhattan and combed through every tiny seed that sparked his interest. Let us approach the world with the same vigor and intensity. Next point, let us allow our wild spirits to roam unfettered and unbound. Let us roar and howl and voice our deepest yearnings without caring what others will think about us. Talk about some bravery and some courage right there. Let us investigate, explore, uncover. Let us follow every lead that we find interesting. There is no limit to our curiosity. Let us explore our own inner wildness and wander through its tangled brambles. We will emerge knowing that we are stronger and more powerful than we thought. Now you see the tide to the transition. Now you see why this thing changed my life. Let us teach ourselves what we most need to learn, not what we should learn, what we need to learn. Let us create our own tools and use them in our travels. Let us know deeply that we have everything that we need. Let us remember that things are not what make us fulfilled. Experiences are. Let us disrupt the everyday banality and reinvent the world in our own image. We are not a target market. In the midst of COVID-19, how many of you, I, I know I feel like I'm a target market. As again, every corporation that I've ever done business with has sent me an email telling me what they're doing about COVID-19. That's just blatant marketing. They're, they're pandering to me. Not so much telling me about COVID-19. I get that from the news every day. Just again, soapbox put away. I, I'll get down now. Uh, almost done with these creed points or almost done with the wanderer's creed. All right. Uh, let us create a bond with the unknown wilderness we are about to enter into, even though it might scare us a little. Wandering is scary. We know that the unknown scares us. But let's go into it. Let us make peace with our fears and remind ourselves that they hold no power over us. Man, just that one alone. If I just went with that one, this Wanderer's Creed would be super powerful. Fears, they are just thoughts, not reality, even if it does feel like it sometimes. And the last one, let us come to understand that we are immensely powerful. And that through our wandering, we will change the world. Microphone drop, boom, all those sound effects go right there. That's the Wanderer's Creed. Check it out. You, you can find it online, Society, the book by Carrie Smith. All of those good things are out there. Just, just Google it. Use the Google machine. You, you'll find out what I'm talking about. So got through all that. So what? 
what's the point? The point is that wandering can help you thrive in the transition in any number of ways, from finding your purpose to being part of something bigger than yourself to simply finding a way to spend all those hours sheltered in place. Wandering can inspire, it can unleash creativity, or help you take better care of yourself and those you love. I'm going to get more specific, though. One of my favorite concepts from Carrie Smith's book is the concept of perception hacking. Perception hacking, and this is in the book, there's a whole page dedicated to it. There are a variety of things we can do to alter our perception of a place or an experience. That's perception hacking. And they give examples. You can shift your perspective. You can play music. There's framing and blocking. And you can pretend. I call it pretend away. This concept was so powerful to me that I took it into work. I applied it to career development and created an entire program that we've used for over three years to help people understand how they can grow their careers. It started as a one-off presentation at a company conference that was held in Scottsdale, Arizona. However, the concept was so well-received that we added to our regular lineup of career development tools and offerings and resources. I'll now do the same sort of thing for practical application during your transition. I'll give you some tips and tools and examples of how to use perception hacking to alter your perceptions of your transition. And again, the definition of perception hacking, there are a variety of things we can do to alter our perception of a place or an experience. So in this case, the experience that you're going to hack is your transition. First point, shift your perspective. Literally, get up, move around, look at things differently. Maybe focus on what you could gain versus what you could lose. Your perspective is exactly that, your perspective. Ask for other people's perspectives. As a result, you will also build connections with other folks. These people can now become part of your community. See how this all starts to fold in on itself? It's all connected. It really is. This next concept, play music. Music is just magical to begin with, right? There's really no other way to say it. But you can change the perception of any event by playing music. I used to DJ in college. DJ will rock. It's a bomb name, right? That Ooh, that's so... It still gives me butterflies when I think of how dope that name is. But I'm a lover of music. All genres, all categories. Why not have a transition playlist? People have playlists for running or going to the gym or driving. It keeps them motivated. Why not create a playlist for your transition? You know that guaranteed feel-good song that brightens your mood. It lifts your spirits. Put a bunch of those songs in a playlist. If you follow me on Spotify, you'll see this playlist called The Definition of Will. If you don't follow me on Spotify, mayhaps you should. You can find me, Will Campbell. Check out my playlist. They, they are amazing, if I do say so myself. But my playlist, and again, The Definition of Will, this it's my go-to thing when I'm feeling bad, when I'm stuck, when I'm confused. I play this playlist. Right, There are a bunch of songs there 
There may be something for you, but what kind of things would you put in a personal playlist? Anything that makes you feel better. Among the songs on my playlist, All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled, Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler, Unstoppable by Sia. Yes, I've got a song by Sia on my playlist. Uh, Secret Ambition by Michael W. Smith. Those of you that grew up with me, you're totally laughing right now. And I Can't Stop by Flux Pavilion. And that's just a small, small sampling. So I I cover multiple genres, multiple artists, because I I consider myself a a complex and complicated being. And depending on the mood, I'm going to need those different things to keep going. My assertion is that you're the same. Why not capture all of that in a playlist? And I'm sure the songs that I pick really won't surprise you at this point. Hence, the definition of will. So that was music, how that can play a part in perception hacking. Now, this concept of framing and blocking. Framing and blocking is just another way to say, don't focus on everything at one time. Take things one step at a time or one goal at a time. If you remember, some older Hollywood movies or even cartoons would have the director making a rectangle with their pointer finger and their thumb from both hands. It literally makes a frame. The point is that you would only focus on the subjects or the things that are within that frame or that rectangle. The other things don't matter at the time. They're not what you're shooting. They're not the subject of the movie. They're not part of that scene. Does that make sense? You know the old joke, how do you eat a whale? One bite at a time. Secretly, every time I use that analogy, I want someone to yell out or say, with tartar sauce. (laughs) That's just me. Uh, There's also one about eating an elephant, and people should yell out with hot sauce or ketchup. But anyway, it's, it's about taking these really big things and taking it one bite at a time. There's even one about the ocean. How do you boil the ocean? One bucket or pan at a time. You can't do the whole thing. That's what blocking and framing is all about. The point hasn't changed. It's still the same. You don't have to do all the things at once. You don't have to get you to your transition tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a grand plan that nails everything next week. You don't have to do things in one fell swoop. Blocking and framing allows you to focus on little chunks at a time, which is what you need to do to move forward. Because if you take the whole thing at once, it won't happen. Like Lori Mulligan said, and and I love it, and I giggle a little bit as I talk about it, if you're not going to do it today, you're not going to do it tomorrow. Because it's too big. Make it smaller. I also call it the library effect. If you stand someone outside the library and say, go get a book, they're going to look at you like you are daft. They're going to look at you like you have completely lost all your marbles. Why? There's too many options. There's too many books. There's too many choices. You haven't given any sort of narrowing down or any reference on how to lessen the scope. However, if you stand that same person outside a library and say, you know what? Go to the third floor, the nonfiction section, get a book with a red cover. They can do it. That's manageable. That's bite-sized. That's been framed out. That's been blocked. Everything else has been blocked. It's clear now what we can do versus go get me a book. Hopefully that helps. Now the last one, this last one is really, really fun. Pretend away. If you were someone else, someone you admired 
or respected or wished you were. This could be a real person. It could be someone you know. It can be a fictional character or even a historical figure. If they were in your position, if they were in your shoes, if they were in the middle of your transition, what would they do? Now, you have a way to move forward. Now, you have a way to take action. Now, you have a way to alter the perception of the place, the event, or the situation. Let me make it more real. Another personal example. The character that I tend to use when I'm stuck, when I don't know what to do, if I were to pretend to be someone, it would be Wolverine from X-Men. I'm, I'm a big kid at heart. I have not denied that at all. Love the X-Men. Go Marvel. Simply put, Wolverine is brash. He's direct. He's nearly invincible. The reality is that I'm usually none of those things. So if I get stuck or need to change my perception, what would Wolverine do? He'd go straight for it. He'd go through it. He'd go over it. He'd slash. He'd cut. He'd jump. He'd run. He'd pick it up. He'd lift it. He'd tell you what he's thinking. He'd just do what he would say. Hashtag WWWD. What would Wolverine do? And that, my friends, is perception hacking in a nutshell. When you're stuck, pretend to wait. In fact, let me know. Send me an email. Leave me a message, a comment, or something. Who's your character? Who would you pretend to be if you needed to shift perceptions? Same goes with the music thing. What song would you use to define you or to get you through that tough time? These are very tangible things that you can do right now that all allow you to continue to move forward. I promise you, if you use any one of these tips or principles that we discussed around wandering, specifically perception hacking, you will be in a better place. You will be in a position to thrive in the transition. Hell, you might even have some fun. There is the possibility of more adventure, more connection, more action, more calm, more focus, more ownership, more creativity, more authenticity, more of you. And remember, not all those who wander are lost. Love that quote. Love, love, love that quote. By the way, my wife got me a t-shirt with that on it. So my, my wife is an awesome support mechanism if you have not picked that up. Not all those who wander are lost. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of Thriving in the Transition. Episode 10, big ups, yes. Thank you for joining. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be myself. If you're getting something from this podcast, please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe and add us to the list of other great podcasts that you listen to. Follow me on Twitter or Facebook at Logic Consulting, L-O-G-I-Q Consulting. Also, follow me on Instagram at Logic underscore Coach. Don't forget to follow the YouTube channel. There's one of those two, Thriving in the Transition. There's also a website, www.thrivingintheTransitionAllOneWord.com. And I threw it out today. Let's connect on a whole new level. Follow me on Spotify, not the Thriving in the Transition podcast. Yeah, do that too. Follow me there too. 
But additionally, look for me personally. Check out my numerous playlists, in particular the definition of will. I think you guys would really, really like what's there. Now, you can get all of the podcast episodes right from the website. We added a podcast link and menu and separate page for your convenience. Now you don't have to go to multiple websites to decide where to catch up or how to listen or when to listen. Just go to my website and while you're there, take a look at ra- take a look around to see how else we can connect. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, send me an email, a tweet, an IM, slide in the DMs, put something in the comments. Give me a phone call. You you can find my number. Let me know. You'll find a sponsorship button on my homepage on Anchor FM, www.anchor.fm forward slash T-I-T-T. T-I-T-T for thriving in the transition. Again, look for the support button. Most importantly, don't keep this to yourself. There are people that need to know about this podcast. You know there are people that need to know about this podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers. Your coworkers don't have anything else to do. They're all sheltering in place. They can't go home. They're looking for things to keep them occupied. Tell them, go to Thriving in the Transition. Listen to it. Will is amazing. Put it on while you clean the house. Put it on while you disinfect the groceries that you just bought. Put it on when you FaceTime Grammy and then she asks who it is and tell her to listen to Thriving in the Transition too. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You've just listened to another episode of Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Until the next episode, folks, cheers. Have a great day.